We're on chapter 16, verse 1. And what we see is the rebellion of Korah that we'll look uh, very closely. Um, as I was studying uh, for this uh, session today. These are two different rebellions. Chapter 16. These are actually two different rebellions that I believe our redactor has combined into one. Okay? And I want to show you very two very different responses to rebellion that Korach and his band, children of Levi, the children of the Levites take, as opposed to Datan and Abiram, who are descendants of Reuben. Who was Reuben? Reuben, anybody? And the Jacob had 12 sons. Mm-hmm. What order? He was the eldest. Okay? So the eldest is dealing with being the progenitor the priest who thought that he deserved more because he was the eldest son, who were the Kohatites, B'nai Kohat, who were those Levites in this Mishkan structure that they set up in the desert. What were the Levites allowed to do for the priests? What did the Levites do? I'll give you a hint. The priests got to... Uh, give the priestly blessing. Mm-hmm. And what do the Levites get to do in the traditional service? We get to wash their hands. I'm a mm-hmm. Levite. <laughs> we get to wash their hands. Do Levites get property? No. No. Most of us. Do Levites. Well, we're, most of us are Israel, but in this, in this okay. biblical context, I just want to set it up why the, the Kohatites, why Korach and his, and his clan, they feel they don't have enough stake. Whereas Datan and Abiram, as the priests, feel like they're losing some of their progenitor status with the priestly, the priestly class being divided from, and I would say, the Korach types, who are challenging to have more power, and the Ruvain children of the progenitors, the eldest sons, who feel that they are losing their power. These are two different stories. This is why I'm, I'm giving you the context. See how they're woven back in. See how they're woven together as a general rebellion. And the third piece that we have to reflect back to, which was, you remember, Aaron's sons, Nadav and Abihu. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? So this is a third story. Aaron has sons that are learning how to uh, make offerings in the temple. Two of his sons take fire pans and go out, and they don't know what they're they're fooling around, is what it says. And when they're fooling around, it's a tragedy. They die. And we don't know what caused the death, only in that they had these fire pans. They were playing with fire, and they didn't... Alien fire? Esh Zara. We don't know what it is. But that story is essential as we read this through. So I want, I want us to really be thinking about uh, two things. One is how these rebellions are different. And two is how this is in the context of Aaron's first quasi-private rebellion of his children of his adolescent rebellion of these two kids who took fire pans and were fooling around. Okay, those are the two things I wanted to back. Are kids? Well, they're children. I always thought of them as adults. Oh, see, no. I see them as kids. I see them as adolescents. 
learning. Okay, they were teenagers. Yeah, messing around. Even young as early 20s. Okay, yeah. They really think they know everything. Well, these day and age, the late adolescents, you know. <laughs> or in Italian, they call them mamones. They stay around till they're 30 or 40. <laughs> All right. Now, Korach, Vaikach Korach, and grabs Korach. You just, it's not now Korach. You see all of it to rise up against it. It says, Vaikach Korach, chapter 16, verse 1. And he is son of Yitzhar, son of Kohat, that tells you he's these uh, schleppers, that's their category of Levi, betook himself. He took himself, the Avon, along with Datan and Aviram. Now, I wouldn't, I would retranslate that. And there is also Datan and Abiram, who are sons of Eliav, sons of On. Anybody remember On, Anan, Onan? Lack of not taking responsibility, not being that. That's where, yes, because he didn't take responsibility for his duties. You understand, I think so much is set up in the names. So much is set up in these first names. Ben Pelet, Bene Reuven, the kids of Reuven. And let's just remember, Reuven was Jacob's eldest son who thought he was the most important, who said, don't throw Joseph into the pit, but he also slept with his father's concubine and got in big trouble for that. So he was both progenitor, eldest son, and not the greatest leader at the time. So, that's B'nai Ruvain. Vayakumu Moshe, they came to rise up before Moses, Va'anashim, and people from Israel, along with their rabble. Uh, is anybody following? This is not an... Well, let me just finish this. And 250 people, Nisi'e Eda, representatives of the Eda, this group, Kor'e Mo'ed, they were representatives and they were Ansheshem, they were people of name. They had some status. So this is not just the rabble. This would be like, oh, you know, like uh, sometimes I have to read a whole petition what I'm signing on to. You know, when someone says sign a petition. Oh, I didn't know Rabbi Hyman from Keilat Israel signed this petition against XYZ. These are people of shame. Okay. halu al al We are Kihilat Israel. This is Vayik halu. They gathered. It says they combined. You could also say conspired. Sometimes it is a community, a gathering, and sometimes... And how do we know this? Al-Moshe. It says, again, we are on verse 3, chapter 16. Verse 3, chapter 16, page 896. Okay. Al-Moshe. Va'al-Aharon. What is Al in Hebrew? El means to. Al means on. On, O-N. On. They conspired on these guys. On, against Moses and Aaron and said to them, do you see that? Al versus El. And said to them, Rav Lechem, you have gone too far. Rav Lechem. And I think that's an important word, Rav. Rabbi, but also big. Rav Lechem, you have gone too far. All the ki kol ha'eda kulam kedoshim, because 
all the community, we are all holy. Vitocham Adonai, and within them is God. And it says, and Adonai is in their midst. Anytime it, Hebrew takes two words and, they, and English takes five, you know there's something wrong. <laughs> Korach is saying something both very powerful and something true, which is, I would say, the seeds of a, any rebellion or despotism. It takes a seed of truth and then uses it as leverage and power to corrupt. It's, and what is this seed of truth? We are all holy. God dwells amongst all of us. We're supposed to be a kingdom of priests. But of course, even making a greater claim, not just a kingdom of priests, there's, the kingdom is everywhere. God is within you. It's almost a Spinoza-like nature. God is within all of us. Who made you the chiefs? And who made... Who made Moses and Aaron the chiefs? God did. <laughs> so, Madua. Why? Madua. That's this fake question. I want you to hear some of the challenges when we have these real civic strife. I'm thinking about Hong Kong, for example, right now. Very difficult. Uh, one of the leaders, Randy Wong, is trying to say, don't smash the windows of the legislation. Don't be seen as this rabble. Uh, and of course, Comparatively, our beautiful little palisades. I was trying to imagine what a rebellion within that kind of... Everybody turns around and runs the other way, what it would look like. Okay. Al-Kahal Adonai, madua tin as'u, why do you raise yourself, al-Kahal Adonai, on this beautiful congregation? A classic... Of God. Uh, of God. Yeah, congregation of God. Conspiracy theory... So they're saying this to Moses. Yes. Attacking Moses and Aaron. You. I now say, you don't speak for me. This is not representative government. I, I miss we're in Fourth of July weekend, you know. No taxation without representation. I'm going to take your sacrificial tea and throw it on the side of the desert. Okay. Moshe. I love this. Moshe and so when he heard this, he fell on his face. Now, what does it mean, Vayiflu al-Panim? You can read it piously that when he falls on his face. So the first read is, Oh God, please answer me, I am asking. Or is he saying, Nope. He's just, what am I going to do? These people are tired. They're in the desert. It's a difficult period. And he falls on his face. So, and he also doesn't say, and he fell on his face and God answered him, which usually happens. God doesn't say anything. It's almost an un undivine moment here of classic politics. So what does he do? First he falls on his face, which, remember, when people conspire against you, you can either fight or flight. What did he do? He did neither. Moses. It's just, this is a real example of leadership, but I think, which is, before you fire back that email, fall on your face. And said to all of them, saying, Boker. I love this. Boker. Morning. Sleep on it. Which, I mean, as an aside, in marital counseling, 
you know, that classic line, you don't go to bed angry. I don't know. I heard a joke. Yeah, you know, my wife and I, we agreed we'd never go to bed angry. We've been staying up now for 30 days. (laughs) (laughs) Boker. Sleep on it. And we will know who is holy and who is supposed to be and who is chose to give offering. He didn't deny he didn't accept. He said, take two Advil, call me in the morning. Mm-hmm. You are you're setting up a false sense of urgency here that doesn't have to be. We will see. We will figure this out. So do this. Zot asu. Also very important to a rebellion. Adolescent. Give them something to do. Here's what you got to set up. You prepare the case for me, put it in three bullet points. When I see the reasons that we should buy a new dog, I will then listen to your claims. You know, not, get me a dog, give me. No, I won't. Ah, melt that. Oh, interesting. Let's sleep on it. I am not getting a dog. Let's just make that clear. Uh, I have one if you want. No, trying to cut down. Okay, just offering. So here we are. Zot asu. I'm on verse six. Kulehem machtot. Korach kol edato. Take fire pans, which are these kinds of uh, shovels that help in sacrifice. So giving them the implements of holiness. And nulahen esh, and put fire on them, and put incense on them. And now I'm on the next page. We're on verse 7. And put them before God tomorrow. And and the person that God chooses, he will be holy. And then this line, Rav Lechem B'nei Levi. You've gone too far. This is, but I know who God will choose. Let's just, so, yeah, I think so too. I think so too. But just let's look at how beautiful this narrative structure is. What Korach does is take something that God said to Israel, which is, make for me a suli mikdash, make for me a holy space, and I will dwell among you, and that you will be mamlechet koanim, a nation of priests. He uses that and accuses Moses as the leader of going too far. Moses then uses his language and the, techna, the technical skill of his priesthood knowledge and this tragic case of a bad fire resulting in death, he knows the setup and says to them, using his language, I know what you're doing. Have you ever used your child's or your, the person you're arguing with, if you could use their rhetoric? Uh, what was that famous debate line from Lloyd Benson? You are no John F. Kennedy. Taking there and, and rebellion at its best, righteous rebellion is taking something that has been corrupted and using it for, using that very sense and then using it in a proud way. Unhealthy is taking the very sense and undermining it. Okay, deep breaths. Vayomer Moshe el Korach Shimuna b'nei Levi. 
And so Moses says more to Korach. Notice, this is Korach. This is all Korach and his people. Okay? Ham'at mikem ki hivdil Elohei Yisrael. It's not enough that God chose you specially. You have a role. I mean, I hear this would be such the great middle management. Like, you have health care. <laughs> I allow you free access to the water cooler and you can have as many snacks as you want. And you're asking for the corner office. This is not enough for you. What we have provided for you here in this great thing. Hear me clearly. And you've got great access to perform duties of God's mishkan to minister to the community. Verse 10. Now that God has advanced you and your fellow Levites, you also want gam kehuna, and now you want to be chief too. So Moses calls it out. Notice, what did Korach say? Hey, we just want love. I just, I just want love. I just, <laughs> it's just about love. No, it's about power. <laughs> Let's be very clear, Korach. You've gone too far. And then he really calls it right. And now that God has advanced you, truly it is against God. You band against God. And Aharon Mahu. Because in the end, who is Aaron that you go and complain to him? Because they've conspired against Moses and Aaron. So he's up the game. This is different. This is like someone saying when we talk about, let's say, Israel, and we're having a debate about the borders of Israel and what it means to be a Jew within Israel. And you uh, attack, someone attacks you for being not just an anti-Zionist, but a self-hating Jew and an anti-Semite, saying that you are conspiring not just against the Jewish people, but against God. Rav Lechem. I think that goes too far. When we're trying to have this civic debate, what it means to be a holy people within this time. And let's just remember, we're in the desert. The children are complaining. The Israelites are not in a good place. This is not when America's has a stock market over, you know, 18,000. So Moses is saying this is not a rebellion against him and Aaron. It's a rebellion against God. You make the argument, you make a theological argument to me that we're all holy and this is actually what God wants is for everybody to do their own spiritual thing. What you're actually doing by going against me is going against God. Who's Aaron? Aaron has been humbly doing this stuff. He built you a golden calf four chapters ago. He's just trying to get things done. I'm not sure I understand the basis of the struggle. Is it simply power? Taking power away from Moses and Aaron is saying, I want more? Okay, now, yes, but. So let's take yellow vests. Let's take yellow vests, you know, in Paris and France. And it's not in Paris. It's in these outside cities. Was it simply that the gas was too high in France and that they hate Macron? Are they truly trying to create a more equitable society there? Or they just want to... Rav Lechem, you went too far taxing my gas because you guys don't drive as much as we do. It's, it's a messy combination. And I think what's toxic about Korach in this iteration is his magnanimous rhetorical approach 
We are all holy. This is what it means to be holy. We all should. And yet, it's a, it's a, it's a nasty power grab. Avigdor Lieberman breaking down the government and saying this is about religion and state. No, it's not. It's about you getting back into your own power grab. Forgive me, Israel politics. I wish you well, September 17th. May it all be resolved. But the danger is using language, just as I can use highfalutin rhetorical language to say what I choose to say about America, about our politics, and that's the danger. That's one approach, and this is why I think this is what's new in this session. That's one approach. Listen to how different Tatan and Abiram are, okay? Vaishlach, verse 12. Moses sent for Datan and Abiram. Do you understand? We go back to the beginning of the chapter, verse 1. Korach grabbed. Vaishlach Moshe likro Tatan and Abiram. Now, what's this rebellion? If Moses has to go out and get them, I want to compare and contrast. What's the rebellion of Datan and Abiram? Forgive my French. Hell no, we won't go. They refuse to join because somehow they're not getting their peace. They refuse to join the rebellion or they refuse to come to Moses? They're separate rebellions. One rebellion is the one that comes at you. The other rebellion is the one that stays away. They're both rebellions. I'm separating them up because I think that they're they're almost polar opposite. V'yamru lo na'ale. We will not come. Obstinate refusal. Now, this isn't like the sit ins, this is different. This would be uh, refusing to vote in elections because you feel that it's not out of apathy. Heck no, we won't go. Hamat, 13, verse 13. We will not come. Hamat. This is so great. It's not enough. You brought us out from a land flowing. To kill us in the desert. What's weird about that framing of Egypt? Well, now they're saying that's the land of milk and honey. You took us from a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh my God, I had it so good in the Nixon years. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that's like, you know, we could all say, oh gosh, KI in the 40s. I know there wasn't KI in the 40s, that's why I used that. <laughs> Early 40s. Oh, wasn't it enough when we had that? It's not enough. Now, ki tistarer aleno gam histerer. Poetic, beautiful. Thank you for letting me use the keyboard. I want you to hear these little clips. So that you lord it over us. Key. You ruled us over us there. And now you rule over us here. What has Datan and Abiram turned Moses into? Pharaoh and dictator. Yeah. Another slave. Yeah. And you could accent the first syllable on a dictator. Because shichrur is a freedom, a liberator. So there's a lot of there are a lot of word uh, plays in this too. 
So histarer is that you lord over us. Histacher, shichrur, is a freedom, a liberator. Even if you had brought us there, and it says, Af no, even if you hadn't, flowing with milk and honey, and given us possession of all these things that you promised, you gouge out. Tinaker, gouge out subordinates' eyes. You are a tyrant and you are a despot and we will not come. Oi. So between the two rebellions, this is the emergence of an entire new structure, really. Or the demanding to have a new structure in the way the Israelites are organized. Well, very interesting. They both... At, they both are saying unfair, wrong, wrong, wrong. What I'm not hearing is... A solution. Right. No suggestion. Look, the immigration stuff, you know, you could throw out some of the categorizations, but there, I didn't hear policy. One, Cory Booker actually said one thing on policy. Uh, war and what have you. I'm not talking politics as much as policy. There's no solution here. And clearly... He is like, we will not come, is a strike. This is a general strike versus people coming out to conspire against you. So I see these, and this is why I think this is a new way to look at the Korach as one rebellion of a proactive that you have to say, take to Advil, call me in the morning. In the morning, we're going to do this. And the one that says, heck no, I'm not coming. I won't do anything I refuse to do. Now notice what he says. I love this. Moses was aggrieved. Right? Like, really? And it's aggrieved. Vayichadaf means I'm the flaming nose. He's pissed off. And he says to God, Don't take minchatam. Don't take their minchas. I love that. I have not asked one of them. It says, I have not taken the ass. I have not been unethical. But then let's just take a moment. I'm going to ask you. God's all-knowing. Why does he have to? Yeah, God should know this, right? So why? And it seems like it's a one-on-one. Why? Uh, those that have been leaders, why? Why is Moses praying to God at this moment? Notice, the first one, he just falls on his face. I don't even think he's conspiring with God. He's pleading his case here. Did I? Did I abuse my authority? Was I that guy? I mean, this for me is like that leadership. Taking a moment and being like, okay, I hear these two very different arguments. Have I? Have I not? Help. For advice, for input from... Was I a bad father? Did I not give him the, the video game that he's been insisting on? Was that the wrong thing to do? You know it's not the wrong thing to do. But God never answers here. God doesn't need to. And even though there may He's not gone. be a suggestion for a solution, there will be a change. Well, this is what's interesting. We're going to see how it plays out. She, he. Uh, I believe God is the greatest Rogerian therapist ever. 
You know what Rogerian therapy is? Tell me something more. And your time is never up with God. <laughs> I mean, for me, God, he, she has worked wonders this way because I've never heard a word, but I keep having the conversation and I keeps coming back to the same themes and I seem to be resolving. Because I don't think that's what Moses is really asking. I didn't take a chamor of them. Meaning, and what is chamor in the Ten Commandments? What does that lead you to? Which commandment? The Tenth. Don't covet your neighbor's ass. So it's really about coveting. I have not wanted their power. Remember, Moses is B'nai Levi. He's not an Aaron. He's not a priest. Have I done this? Have, is this my leadership? That's a good leader. He's not impulsive. He's not reactive. He's asking himself hard questions. And then what does he say? And then he said, Dadunat. Do not listen to them. Don't. But it actually, so it says, don't pay heed to them. It's actually more direct. Don't take their offerings. So he is begging, don't do it. Which tells me both. He's setting the stage for their failure in the rebellion as we watch in the next chapter, but he's also not sure it's going to work. God may say, all right. They got a point. I knocked down Pharaoh's. Now I'm going to knock down the next pharaoh. New chef in town. Remember, we just left Shach. We left, last week we left this new generation of Caleb and Joshua and these spies. Who's right? Who's wrong? It's a transitional time. Ah, uh, the thicket is the ticket. It's a, it's a mystery. This midbar, this, this wilderness is fabulous. Verse 16. V'yomer Moshe el Korach do you notice how the story now goes back to Korach and moves away from Datan and Abiram? This is where I think the redactor is brilliant in turning them into a single thread. But they're two very different rebellions. That's my thesis. Column A and one from column B. Put them together. That's my thesis. The uh, thing about this, it is two different theses. What is the community saying? You know, it's out of balance, whatever it is. And the other is a subset of the community where the power center is saying I want more power. So one is sort of narrow in its base and the other is huge. They both have their people and I would I would only suggest they both want power. They both want a restructuring of society. One is doing it through active protest. The other is doing it through strike <laughs> passive resistance. So one wants to go back to Egypt, so to speak. But the other isn't happy with the power structure. They don't care where they are. It's wherever we are, I want more power. Pay no right. I want more. But don't you think these are necessary? Ah, just yes. And so this is checks where... Checks and balances. Right. Not just checks and balances, but healthy. Rav Cook says in Israeli society, you need secular Jews, you need critics of our own kind of religious way to keep us holy, to keep us to task. And you do. If I'm not, as a leader, looking at both who's not here because they don't like a particular style, because we have not, we haven't done our work. 
If I'm only looking to the people that are in front of me each and every day as a leader, and if I'm only also just responding exclusively to the kvetchers and the squeakiest wheels who are saying this is wrong, that's also poor leadership. But you have to somehow, as a leader, triangulate yourself between all of these parties and ultimately come to the best communal decision. So this is why I think this offering is such a genius way. And did God tell him to do this? No. But I think he remembers Moses, that horrible time back with uh, uh, Nadav and Abihu, this tragedy, and so he knows how God works, in a sense. Maybe that's the change that's taking place in Moses. He is able now to coordinate the two sides and look at it and find some method of dealing with it. Well, I think he's also... He's using the platform of religious holiness to deal with this. Because often what happens in leadership is you try to settle this stuff outside. Let's meet in my office. Let's close the door. You this. I'll give you a dressing down. He's making it very public. He's making it very ritual. Because this is what they're accusing him of, is usurping holiness. And what happens, too, is that in this kind of a an argument in current congregations of balancing sides. One side breaks off and forms another congregation. So, And that's what he does not want to have happen. He's trying to keep the sides together. Well, this, uh, you know, I, I can apologize for Torah and Moses. We'll have to see what the response is once we read it. Yeah, Audrey, because I don't know if that's his, the break-off congregation. I mean... No, I, I don't... <laughs> No, that it is. Either, it, yeah. But, but Moses is put in a position of trying to reconcile. Right. Yeah. All, and, and these two very different styles of rebellion. I'm not a political person. I don't know what politics is happening and all that. But I uh, there's going to be an election in 2020. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I <laughs> Just to keep you up to speed, Audrey. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I did get a snippet about uh, somebody saying about Biden. He he's the, he's too quiet. He's too like the one who just says nothing, or or he's not at this time. He should be more bo 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 bo. And it makes me think of the um, you said leadership. Leadership um, that the uh, a good leader is one who you know is quiet, doesn't uh, doesn't attack, or doesn't get pokes. I'm not saying that I'm providing, it's just that I'm, I'm listening to these snippets, snippets and yes. just, it's, it's interesting that there's a bit of a uh, comparison. So listen to this language. This is Moses' solution. All right, and we're going to make a full stop from Joe Biden to Moses, okay? Okay. <laughs> wow. Full stop. Oh. <laughs> you know, the semicolon is the mermaid of punctuation. It's a period on the top and a comma at the bottom. I love that line. I just read that. I love that. Okay. Sorry, that's just... Never heard that one. I know. Such a great one. Moses says to Korach, Tomorrow, you and all your company appear before God, you and they, and Aaron. Do you see what he's done? He's inverted the power structure. All right. You want to see who's boss? I'm going to go against you, and then we'll see who God wants. No, you're coming before God, before you, they, and Aaron. Each of you take his firepan and lay incense on it. 
each of you bring his fire pan before God. 250 fire pans. You, Aaron, also bring your fire pans. He's testing this theory. All right, you want to invert the pyramid? You want a true true democracy? You want everybody to have their own power? Each of you take your fire pans and put fire pan and incense. But then you have to go back to what happened in the Davin Abihu. You know that if God doesn't want it in this way, if you take a fire pan and you put incense, you're going to get... Obliterated. Yeah. And that's not magic. So for me, in more of a kind of naturalist way, yeah, if you don't, if you have a gas, if you turn on the gas and you don't light something and then you light something, it's going to blow up. If you create this kind of scenario... So this is an objective test for him. You know, I, I look at these fire pans as as electrical connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And it can go both ways. So if God likes it, that's good. It's an offering. If it's not, that's right. There's also a sense that this is a connection. I, I know Rabbi Bernstein talks about it, like to a nuclear reactor. That yeah. God, God is this incredible power. And as you approach God, particularly with the with the fire pans, you got to be really, really careful. And that conduit of <laughs> you energy make a misstep can be energizing but or Moses, can be lethal. Yeah, Moses still here, evidently, still has a lot of faith in God, mm-hmm. which He's doing the right, thing. right? Because Moses is banking on the fact that God's going to choose him. Well, I think yeah. he's banking on it. I think he knows. Well, whatever. He knows. He knows what? He knows. How he, this is going to turn out? Exactly. He is God. You you said it before. Well, that Moses. we all have God within us. Exactly. But this is the way that they mapped it out. Moses is not a revolutionary. He's keeping the structures. He's demanding them to use the very structure and saying, if you wanted to do this and not have hierarchy, let's see. You guys are all 250 people of renown. Each of you take your fire pants. Now, what was so interesting is no negotiation, verse 18. Each of them took his fire pan, put fire pan and laid incense on it, took place at the entrance of the tent. And so did Moses and Aaron. They could have come together. They could have set structure. They could have set hierarchy. They took the bait, I think. They said, wait on it. Here's what you do. It's like if I said, you know, let's say I was ruling the shul. And someone says, I know what to do with KI. You guys don't know what you're doing. I know what to do with KI. And I had 250 people say, I know what to do with KI. And I said, all right, let's wait a day. And let's have a town hall meeting. And everybody gets one aliyah. And they get four minutes to say what they want with KI. Ready? Go. Yes, I love that. Okay, town hall meeting. And then for four and a half hours, everybody says, I think we should be in an institute of aliens. I think we should be not just uh, reconstructionists, but interfaith. Each person will come up with their little petty thing. And it's not going to be effective. And then the rabbi comes back and says, this is who we are, and we listen to us all. That's not how this plays out. El petach ohel moed. Vaya... I'm sorry, my glasses are poor. Vayera. So then appeared Kavod Adonai El Kol Haida. This is the divine presence coming down. And Adonai spoke 
listen very clear. Vayedaber Adonai el Moshe ve'el Aharon lemor. God speaks to them, Moses and Aaron. Vehibadlu havdalah. Do you know havdalah is that Saturday night? Separate. Hibadlu mitoch haidahazot. Get away. I will consume them in a moment, in a flash. And then they fell on their faces. Do you remember the first time they fell on their faces when they conspired? Now Moses and Aaron are, consp- are falling on their faces out of mercy. Oh God, source of breath and all flesh. When one member sins, are you going to be wrathful with the whole community? So what did Moses and Aaron really think that God was saying in this moment? Remember, at the terrible Ten Commandments, when the the sin of the golden calf, Moses was told by God, I'll create a new people with you. So what was God's response according to this for Moses and Aaron to do? Stand back from everybody all the Israelites, and I'm going to control alt delete with you. Well, you and Kevin Durant. Sorry, that was a Laker reference. Everybody's gone. Again, great leadership. Moses says to God, source of all life and breath, how do you delineate between the haters, the rabble-rousers, and this other group that happened to be in the march. They're not all that. And some got, I just imagine in this Hong Kong, I just, I know that the rounds of people that are being gathered in Hong Kong right now, there are innocent people that are in those protests that are saying, hey, I don't want to become China. Like we had our own distinct, and there's, but there was a violent, that that violence triggered a, a very draconian response, which in some ways is not inappropriate. It was violence, and the leaders of that movement were trying to say, stay away. How do you separate? Because it can happen in a flash. I mean, we know this in Venezuela. Did you Have you guys read today? Over uh, 2,000 people over a six-month period have been, have been disappeared or... Yeah, I mean... As bad as the South American in the 70s. But. So. Will you do this? Al tiksof. Kol haida tiksof. You're going to froth them, literally. Ketsef is uh, whipped cream. And Adonai spoke to Moses. Speak to them. Withdraw from about the abodes of Korach, Datan, and Abiram said to Moses, saying, Lemor, get away from Korach, Tatan, and Abiram. And this is why, again, I think, Lemishkan. Do you see how it says abodes? What's a Mishkan? What's the Mishkan? Sanctuary. Holy space. Which tells me, it says, entrance Petach Oel Moed, the tent of the meeting. This is where I'm really trying to get the document hypothesis here. I think they were each setting up their own synagogues. Do you think God was testing Moses at that point when he said to him, 
get away, and Moses thought he was going to obliterate all these people. You think he was testing Moses to see if he would come to their defense and try and make it right? No. My gut? No. I think God has been tested, and God is so also just, he's like triggered, like... This is camp, your uh, camp director on week seven. You've been tested. They've been pushing and pushing and pushing. And he's tired. And he has to be the interlocutor. And I think Moses, the genius of Moses, even in that moment, you don't think, Mike could give me ten. Oh, this happened in Game of Thrones. Give me three people you want to kill and I'll kill them. There are, you have those people. And this is Moses showing. And so whose test is it? It's God. Secondarily, how do you preserve the structure of Korah, who is the Levite structure? You don't have the priesthood without the Levites. If I don't have James, I don't have Friday night service. If I don't have good janitorial services, if your bathrooms aren't clean, your sanctuary is not clean. So you could say, oh, you guys want X, Y, Z. This isn't happening, by the way. This is just a theory. You've got to preserve the structure. You've got to preserve the structure of the priesthood and the Levites. So I don't think. I think God is watching leadership happen right now, distinguishing, separating, and then the miracle is that they're swallowed up a lot. Yeah? What happened to On? It fell away. Anon? He was... Who was who, who was the third, the fourth, right? Right. Yeah, the sons of... Uh, we had Koach at the beginning. So On may be different than Anan. The Midrash debates this, whether it's Anan or On. But Anan died because he did Cordis Interruptus by not taking on Judith. You're asking about Anan? On right here. At the beginning it says the rebellion. You pointed this out. Right, right, right. The children. Was Korath the children and one of them was On. Yeah. But he seems to have disappeared now. He did. (laughs) And so did Kahat, by the way. And so did Kahat on the second one. Yeah, these are... These are genealogies. Oh. But let's, let's finish to the punishment here. Um, here we go. You're at 25? Yeah. yeah. Moses rose and went to Datan and Abiram, which tells you again in my documentary hypothesis, if he had to go Vayakam Moshe Vayelech, it means that that Korach and their group is a different group. He has mm. to come out and go. These are two different stories that were trying to be made into one story that are two different stories. Achrav Ziknei Israel, And he addressed, and all the elders following him. He spoke directly to the people, to the Eida, to the group. Turn away from these wicked fellows. Touch nothing that belongs to them. You're going to be wiped out for all of what they do, for all their sins. See, I think it's not. It's Vayalu from the abodes of Datan and Abiram. They're different groups. But one is a passive, and they're sitting in their bunkers, and the other is the active coming to the gates of the temple. And in both cases, you have to separate yourself. I mean, I say this to my kid all the time. 
if you see somebody at a party and they're downstairs in the basement and they're all starting to party and they're doing things that you don't think is all right, if you are tacitly in that car at the 7-Eleven and someone's going to go do something you shouldn't be doing, you are responsible. You're partly responsible by being in that group. You just show up to the protest to see what happens. Oh, my God. Are anybody watching the uh, New York Five, these kids who were, you know, yes. the Ava DuVernay series? It's so powerful. This young kid, this young kid, he just was watching what was going on, and he was interested. Oh, I think about this. Datan and Abiram, now I'm on verse uh, 27 in the middle, had come out, and they stood at the entrance of their tents with their... Uh, See, do you see how they're making it even more tragic? Do you feel it? With their wives, their children, and vetapam, and their little ones. Meaning, these are innocents. They're, they're making it very clear. The tragedy involved in this. Because if they're little ones, they're not making a distinction of whether they should go across the border or not. Obviously, we know the images that we've seen these weeks have been nothing short of horrific. So by now the people have separated themselves. Now? Right? Well, they've come out. In 27, the people walked away. And they left them with their tents. I appreciate that you want to delineate it between those that are right and those that aren't. I think that Torah is making a different point at the end of 27 to say, you can say, separate yourself out. But you got wise kids and little ones. How are they supposed to make those choices? It's not so clean. Not so clean. And Moses then said, this is what we know. Adonai was sent me to do these things. That they're not my own devising. That if these people's death is on humankind, their lot is humankind's common fate. It's not God who sent me. But if Adonai brings about something unheard of, and the... I love it. And the ground happens to open up and swallows all of them and all of you that belong to them and they go alive into Shoal. He's asking for a miracle. And I think this is, honestly, I think this is what you want for all righteous rebellion. You know, if I could say to Ferguson or even South Bend, Indiana or to any of these great protests, no one dies, no one gets hurt, but if you're going to be violent, I simply, you're alive and you get sucked up into some netherworld. You're crossing the border. I have a place that's not in Texas that doesn't happen to, that treats you fairly and that you're there, but you're not going to affect my people, but you're not going to be hurt. It's impossible. It's miraculous. But he's setting up God to make this very thing happen. This is where I think Moses is playing God, not the other way around. But I'm a radical reader on this. I think Moses teaches God as much as God teaches Moses, just like Abraham teaches God just as much as God. This is a joint Hmm? Yeah, I mean, this is a it's more of a progressive theology than process theology. You define Sheol? Yeah, not hell. The nether world that's not hell. That's not this burning brimstone. Because yeah, you could say go to hell, literally. That's but Sheola. You know, Jacob says, I take my white head down. Hoary head. I was like, well, a hoary head. It means old age. Now, you could say that there's a location, and they have that, and there are strains of tradition that say Shaul is hell. But it's also this netherworld. But it's a way to make them disappear without dying. 
Uh, Walter Benjamin speaks a lot about this, about critique of violence, that the most violent act you can do is a strike because it upsets the mechanisms of your society without hurting anybody. It's not a violent strike. It's not demolition. I just, I don't know, as a Jew, and I see smashed windows, I can't, I just, I know that's not the way. And then I look, you know, in the 60s and, and just that collective memory of some of the protests that stand and strike and refuse to enter these places is a very different response. So let's get back to the text. You'll know that these, these fellows have spurned Adonai. Do you see how it's a different test? I believe that he has a different test for Datan and Amiram than he had for the people of Korah. And scarcely had he finished speaking these words, the ground under them, slightly east of Bakersfield, burst asunder. Okay. The earth opened its mouth, swallowed them whole with their households, all Korah's seat, and then it weaves back Korah's. All Korah's people in their possessions. They went down alive into Shoal. And why is it important that they're alive? Because Moses didn't kill them, and God didn't kill them, and yet has eliminated them from the scene. And they just vanished from the midst of the congregation. All Israel around them fled at their shrieks. And they said, the earth might swallow us. Tiv al emu ha'aretz. Is this Dathan and Abra, Abiram? Or it, it or merges is this the it second, back. The other it merges it back to the Korach people. Right, because the people were not standing next to Dathan and Abiram. Right. They had pulled back. And, and so now this says that right. all the people around... But now you'll see. I mean, this is just classic uh, uh, historical, biblical criticism. Because notice 35. A fire went forth from Adonai and consumed the 250 representatives offering the incense. What? Do you see how they weave the first story back in? They're two different stories. The first story is, all right, you want a Shabbat service? Gesundheit, hey, take your pan, have a Shabbat service, you and all your people. And if it works, it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. The other is, I go and do takeout, I come to you and say, look, you're either with us or you're against <laughs> us, but just know that's going to happen. Totally scary to the people around. And then these two versions have come together. So now it's Korach, Tatan, and Abiram are all one rebellion. Two sides of the same coin. A general strike, and an active protest at the Capitol steps. But we have two punishments. One is going to show, and then we got fires consuming these others. That's right. I see them as two different, that the editor has turned into one rebellion. And I think there's a distinction here also in politics, too. Gosh, you know, who's staying away? I haven't seen X in, you know, three months. There's a protest there. And he could say, or she could say, I don't like this and this and this. And you could say, okay. This is where we're going. It's, this is leadership. And if the, the democracy, you know, if we continue to use our healthy democ- representative government, which is what this is about, 
Democracy isn't, I mean, it, it, it is a representative government that I choose these people to represent me and therefore make decisions for our lives. Love this Parsha. Adonai spoke to Moses. I love this. Eleazar, Aaron, sons of priests, remove the fire pans, for they have become sacred. From among the charred remains. All right. That's gross. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you know what we're talking about here? Yeah. Burn the bodies. And remove them and scatter the coals abroad. Ki kadeshu, because it's holy. At remove the pans, verse 5, from those that have sinned at the cost of their lives, acknowledging that, acknowledging that sacrifice, and let them be made into hammered sheets for plating the altar, for they have been used for offering to God. This is a brilliant move. It's frankly taking the trees that have been used for evil and turning them into the sacred sanctuaries of reflection and peace. No, but it's that service of warning. It's like, see what happens to them. But you're still using them, but you can convert them. So it's to take the very things that were seen as signs of rebellion and use them. The lowest, this is what the, in Hala, one of the Psalms says, you take the crumbling stones of a fallen foundation and they become your cornerstone to build your new. To reintegrate this society, to say even these rebels have a place. And there is a holiness involved in that experience. That's the hardest part. There's something very radical about the active protest and this general strike protest. And so, now that our time is upon us, I wish you Shabbat Shalom.